Hey guys, welcome to Spirit Pig. This is the show that explores how to live a fulfilled life. I'm Duncan CJ and today I'm speaking with Mark Matusek. Mark is an international best-selling author, teacher and speaker whose work focuses on personal awakening. He has written two award-winning memoirs. He is a contributing editor for uh, O, the Oprah magazine, and writes for numerous publications such as the New York Times magazine and Harper's Bazaar. He also runs regular workshops and classes which have inspired thousands and thousands of people all around the world to reach their artistic and personal goals. So hugely, hugely excited to be talking to you today. Thanks so much, Mark. My pleasure, Duncan. It's good to see you. Now, the, the, way, the way I kind of learned and heard and came across your work for the first time was about, probably about a year ago. I, um, I, kind of, I used to ask um, kind of all our sort of guests, you know, what is, what is a book? What's one book which has completely sort of, um, sort of had the biggest impact or inspiration on you? And this was right back at the beginning. Um, a lady called um, Kirsty Hanley, I, I said, you know, I asked her that question. She said, you know, when you're falling, dive. That was the one that had the most profound impact on her. And so that's when I started, like, you know, exploring and finding out more about sort of uh, what that book was about. But then what about um, a lot of your other memoirs and your work is about? Um, but... Um, so one of the things which I heard you mention in an interview or talked about once, which is, um, I hope you don't mind me bringing this up, because um, is when you were 20 and your sister was 30, um, she came to you and asked you, I think the question was, how do you live? And like you said, you were just a child and had absolutely no idea how, how do you even respond to a question like that? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you know, devastatingly, two weeks later, she committed suicide. And you've since dedicated a large part of your life uh, to figuring out, you know, the answer to this question. Was, was, that, was that sort of the, the impetus for, in particular, that book, you know, When You're Falling, Dive, and the years that followed? It was. It was, the, it was like the pebble in the, in the pond that everything rippled out from. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'd grown up in a house where, where survival was always a question anyway because there was a lot of violence and abandonment and, and uncertainty in, in our house. So she and I had grown up asking ourselves this question without ever articulating it. And when she was at the end of her life and she was just having a very, very hard time uh, getting hold of anything that gave her meaning or a sense of uh, purpose uh, or hope, um, she came to me and asked me this question, how do you live? And I had no idea what to tell her. Uh, And after she died, it became a mantra for me. It became a kind of a guiding, uh, a, a, a true north for me to follow. Uh, and that's why I started doing this. I did this book uh, of interviews with people who had been through these ex- these extraordinary life uh, circumstances that should have ended their hope. It should have killed their spirit. It should have stopped them where they were, but instead had the opposite effect. And they went through what's called post-traumatic growth and had these extraordinary, miraculous openings uh, and and rebirths after losing everything. Uh, and now that, that's the through line of when you're falling dive people from very, very different walks of life discovering this same secret, which is that when you tell the truth about your life, no matter where you are, whatever the circumstances, it m- can move you through to an, a whole other way of seeing if you allow it to. But it means going through fears. It means being willing to reinvent your story. Uh, look at all the things that have been uh, keeping you blocked. Because a big piece of this path is looking at the falsehoods of self. You know, what are the lies we tell ourselves all the time? Uh, Where do we feel inauthentic? Uh, And where have we lost touch with our own genius and our own deep inspiration? Uh, I found that those were the themes that help people get through these impossible situations with a new 
with new eyes, you know, mm. with a new way of seeing. Uh, so, yeah, that was that was the impetus that sort of started me uh, on this question of how do you live? Uh, and then my own life took me in my own in its own directions and sort of deepened that inquiry for me. Yeah. And, and like you said, there's there's not do you realize that there's probably not like one there's not like one answer sometimes you need to persevere sometimes you need to just put your hands up and just surrender you know it's not yeah. a one size fits all kind of thing never no not at i mean that's the first thing to learn is to listen to ourselves you know and to uh, separate and differentiate between what's true for us and all of these messages and these conditioning that's coming to us you know from the world especially when you're going through a crisis because other people's fear can become a big obstacle getting through the people's fear around us uh, is as hard as getting through our own uh, challenges sometimes so learning to listen to uh, your deep true voice you know the small still voice within yourself uh, and let the rest of the world go its own way. You know that nobody knows the answer uh, for you, uh, and it's likely to come from a, from the most uh, unexpected places. You know, I, I found inspiration and in ways and places from people that I never would have uh, anticipated if I had kind of gone the conventional route. So no, there is absolutely no one size fits all, and the answer is always changing. Yeah. So what's true for you today is not true for you, was not true for you yesterday, will not be true for you tomorrow. So being, being willing to be present with what is true is the doorway to uh, a different life. Yeah. Do you, do you feel that's sort of a big, a big sort of problem in society that we, we try to make things too black and white? You know, how to get over heartbreak in five easy steps or like seven secrets to a happy marriage. Or do you know what I mean? When we try and box it in, black and white, these are, this is like the formula to take and it applies to everyone. I mean, we simplify it too much. Absolutely. I mean, you see this in the, in the self-help movement. Yeah, big time. You know, everything is five steps to this, eight steps to this. You know, and and it, it just life is not, doesn't work that way. Mm. First of all, it doesn't happen in steps. <laughs> And and second of all, it's not really merchandisable. You know, I mean, happiness isn't merchandise. Uh, and the self-help movement, the spiritual movement, the conscious movement often tries to uh, monetize happiness and monetize well-being. And of course, the way you do that is by telling people that there are five easy steps. <laughs> and then they turn around, they've done the fifth step, and they don't feel any different, or or they certainly don't feel, uh, you know, they don't feel um, like they've gotten the promise of whatever that thing is that they're trying to sell. Mm. So I, I really resist those, e, you know, those five easy pieces kinds of programs yeah, uh, I agree. because it's an organic thing. It's always, it's always evolving and it's always changing. Mm. So to imagine that there are these, you know, these easy steps on the path, are, it just, it's, it's absurd and it's misleading. And a lot of people can start to feel like they're failing because they're not getting it. It's like Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's five uh, st uh, stages of grieving. Well, there aren't five stages of grieving. There are five million stages of grieving. And finally, finally, after many years, people got that while those were useful steps, they're by no means universal. Yeah. Uh, and, and they're simplistic. They're not, really, uh, they're not really authentically true for everyone. So it's fine to use this stuff as, as, a, you know, as, as general principles or as guidelines, but not to get hung up on what someone else tells you uh, it is the format for happiness. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And um, one, one thing that's interesting, I mean, I, I guess this is, I guess this is intuitive. You kind of, you kind of realize this, but actually, um, yeah, basically, it was, 
even if people are desperately unhappy or, you know, they have to be often forced, kicking and screaming to give up their ordinary lives. So a lot of us would rather hold on to, I think it was described as the hell that they know, rather than making that change. Isn't that right? Oh, I mean, that's that's absolutely true. I mean, it's true of any kind of self-help, but spiritual life is it's one uh, it's one insult and one disillusionment after another. You know, and you really do have to be dragged kicking and screaming into this uh, process of evolution. You know, people talk about spiritual practice like it is a walk in the park. Mm. Uh, and it's it's one obstacle after another. And it's being willing to unlearn the things that we that we think that we know. Uh, so, no, it's 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 go. You have to go through a lot of resistance uh, to start a new life. I mean, to be in, in a conversion, a spiritual conversion, I don't mean that religiously. Yeah. It really, it means to turn around and you have to, we turn around and we realize that all the things we thought were true, uh, are not, uh, and that the values, what we thought mattered is not what truly matters to us. So it, it takes a lot of courage to go against the tide of what we're taught. Uh, about security, uh, about expectations, you know, about material goods, uh, about permanence. All of these things go directly against wisdom traditions and what we know from spirituality, which is that life is loss. Uh, and what happens then? The point is, what happens when you face impermanence, you walk through loss, you turn around, you say, I'm still here. What is that miracle? What is that? And what we realize is that we're not the person we thought we were. And so often it takes the story you're living to fall apart before you're before you're able or interested in, in, you know, in stepping into a new way of being. Why is the inability to escape one of the prerequisites for change? I mean, why would we do it if we if we had any other choice? You know, you're in your comfy life and you've got your house, you've got your relationship, everything's going swimmingly. Why would you give all that up for uncertainty and searching uh, and, and the awareness that at the end of the day, you're, you're nobody, you know, you're, you're no, why, who would do that? You only do that when it's taken away from you and you have no other choice when your back's against the wall. I mean, I know for myself, if my life hadn't fallen apart uh, in my late twenties, I was working in as a magazine editor. I had this great job. I was working for Andy Warhol. It was a, it was a very, very interesting life. Uh, I wouldn't have given that up if I had had any, uh, other option. But life presented me with a series of challenges that, that just took away the possibility of going in that conventional route anymore because it didn't mean anything to me. Uh, so that's the value of catastrophe. That's the value of crisis is that it wakes you up yeah. if, if you let it. Not everybody, obviously, as you know, you know, not everyone does that. Some people get smaller and shrink back and, and, and get paralyzed. But if you're willing to take the chance on change – uh, and if you're willing to have faith, not in a religious sense, but faith in what you don't yet know and, and haven't yet seen, extraordinary things are, are possible. Uh, yeah. But it's not easy. No, God, no. And it's, um, it's, one of, it's, it's interesting because it's, when you look at these, like probably no one, no, no sane person in, you know, in, in their right mind would ever choose or wish any of these things upon themselves. But once it's there and it's like, right, just, it is what it is, accept it, then these amazing transformations can then happen off the back of that. Yeah, yeah, but it but it doesn't feel good in the moment. It's <laughs> no. really important to to remember and and just get used to so that you're not so surprised. Yeah, you know it's it's hard. You know it's 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 one step forward, two step or two steps forward, one step back, uh, and having the patience with that, and also getting that this is practice. It's not like you ever get there. 
Mm. It's, it's practice. It's, it's all moving in a direction of awakening uh, and understanding that we're human, we're imperfect, we have clay feet, we have all kinds of conditioning that, that continues to run in, in the brain as we, as we wake up. Uh, but it's not a complete process. It's not a black or white process. And, and that's why those five, five easy steps don't work. Because yeah. there's this implication that you're going to arrive in this other place where none of this stuff matters anymore. Well, it's just not so. You know, I've, I've worked with a lot of, I've met a lot of spiritual teachers, really great masters, and they're all neurotic. They all have their issues, every single one of them. And what a relief to know yeah. that. So it really takes this perfectionist, idealist uh, idea of spiritual life off the table, and you get that we're just, you know, we're just all in this together. Yes, it's quite it's a reassuring thought. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. We hold these people up on pedestals, thinking like, oh my shit, shit, they've got their life together. It's like, I can't. Yeah. Who was who it? I, I'm going to completely um, mash up this quote, um, but it was somebody once said, like, I don't know, it was uh, something like, if, if we're all in a circle and everyone threw their problems in front of them and you suddenly saw everyone's, like, insecurities and, you know, like, and problems right in front of them, then everyone would grab their problems and, like, you know, put, hold them back as opposed to, we're always thinking, oh, everyone else has got their shit together, like, you know, and actually, you know, everyone's, everyone is, yeah. And, and I, find, I, I really find that a, a big relief. And it's also, it's, it's, it, we can connect with each other then. You know, if you think that there, there are people on this other level that are beyond your, you know, your abilities and, and, and are living in this realm of perfection, uh, it's very isolating and it's very hard to connect. When you get that everyone is human, everyone's dealing with suffering, we're all looking at the same issues all the time. To me, that's a very comforting, connective, uh, spiritual feeling. Yeah. You know, spirituality is about opening. It's not about shutting down. And the only way to open is by being transparent with ourselves, telling the truth about ourselves and also getting that nobody else is, is you know, uh, is walking some sainted path. They're all falling down. Yeah. I was, I just, when you were saying that, it kind of made me think about, um, so just saying that one of my friends said about, about like a year, just over a year ago, a year and a bit ago, um, my, uh, my girlfriend and I broke up and, you know, I was, I was absolutely gutted. I was devastated. Like, didn't know what to do. It was like, kind of just, it was just like, yeah, just completely like, well, world falling apart. And then one of my friends, Izzy, just said, you know, um, when you're walking down the street, you know, you'd see everyone and you just look at each person and realize actually like, you know, nearly everyone has gone through that agony, that heartbreak, that, that whatever. Yeah. And they're there, they're just walking down the street, they're back, you know, they're fine. You know, so all that kind of, you bounce back kind of thing. And I was, it, kind of, it was kind of a reassuring thought, kind of thinking, you know, woe is me. You kind of think, you know, you're the only one who's ever felt this. No, everyone's it's, gone through this, you know, pain. Everyone's gone through, and it might not be that, but some sort of pain or hurt or something. And realizing that you're all kind of in it together in some way. It was like, yeah, actually, that, that made, made you feel a bit better in that time. Yeah, no, it, it, it does make you feel better because one of the things about grief and fear and depression and crisis is that it's isolating uh, and you can start to feel like you're the only one, like you said, or that you have it worse than other people. Mm. Uh, but just look at the world. Take one good, hard look at the world and there's no room for self-pity. Absolutely uh, not. And the other thing is to realize, as I have over the years, when you go through enough things, you learn to be grateful just to be having the experience when you realize that simply to be alive is a miraculous uh, occurrence that that the, the, all of the things that have to go right for us to be having this conversation right now is so astounding that it makes you grateful for the experience alone even when it's hard and, and gratitude is the antidote to self-pity 
You can't be grateful and feel sorry for yourself at the same time. Yeah. And it's not necessarily gratitude for any particular thing. It's just gratitude for being uh, and acknowledging that this that this life is a gift even when it hurts. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. For anyone who's not familiar, who is John Dugdale? John Dugdale is an amazing man. He is a guy who uh, was a photographer, a pretty successful photographer, uh, who contracted AIDS in the 80s, uh, and he lost his sight to CMV retinitis, uh, and he didn't know what he was ready to kill himself. You know, what, his life had no meaning because he's truly an artist until he realized that he could become he wanted to become the first world's the world's first blind photographer uh, because he still had like two or three percent of his vision. So he figured out a way of taking pictures using an assistant and losing a, using a large format camera. And he started taking the most extraordinary images of his career. And he went from being a mid-level commercial photographer to being a world-class artist. Because he used his limitation to, uh, to deepen his work. And what John said to me, I'll never forget, he said, vision and sight are not the same thing. And that's extraordinary to me. So your vision, your, your sight can be taken away or your hearing or your mobility or whatever it is. But your vision can't be. You know, no one can take your vision away. So if we cultivate that inner uh, connection to beauty uh, and what matters to us uh, and maintain some kind of vision, uh, we can lose everything else uh, and that will still be strong. He's, he's be, uh, John's been one of the most inspiring people uh, I've, I've ever met, really. I love it. I love it. Yeah, it's amazing. One of the ways that we all limit ourselves is by telling ourselves, like, I'm the kind of person who does this or yeah. I'm the kind of person who does that. Why does that hold us back so much? Well, it's, it, it's the primary inhibitor to telling the truth uh, because the stories that we're living is not who we are. I mean, this is what I teach in my, in my, in my writing work uh, is that when you question the story, when you tell the truth, the story changes. And when the story changes, your life is transformed. Uh, until you start to question your story, you're limited, like you said, by this idea of who you are and what's possible for you and who you're not uh, and, and where you're separate. Um, and when you question your story, you realize that every single one of those things is an assumption based on habit, based on thinking, based on conditioning, and that you're actually free. Uh, and the realization that we are actually free in every moment to see anew and to discover ourselves and the world in fresh new ways. When you get that, there's no holding you back uh, because they're, they're, you're, not, you're not living a fiction. You're not living an idea of who you are. You're actually living your life in the moment uh, and telling the truth. So really telling the truth is the path. Uh, and the truth, as I said at the beginning, is something that's always changing. So we have to keep doing this practice. It's not like, okay, now I've got it. It's not, it's not a universal truth. It's I've the truth got it. I've got the truth. I've done the five steps, and now it's over. No, <laughs> that doesn't happen. It's, an, it's, 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 it's ongoing. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's a huge relief to get past the idea of who you are uh, and start to walk in the life of who you actually could be. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You mentioned at the beginning of this chat, um, I heard you mention the word <clears throat> genius. Um, and each of us is born with a, with a particular gift or a genius, as it was called by the Romans. Um, what exactly is our genius? 
Give well, like, you, like you said, the Romans invented the or came up with the word genius, and it, they they used it to refer to what they called a tutelary deity that each of us is born with his or her own genius, whose purpose is to lead you to the fruition of your own life. Uh, it's an entirely personal guiding voice or power that's leading us to our own potential. Uh, and, and that's what genius is. You don't have to be a genius. You don't have to be an artist to be a genius. You know, you can be a genius mother. You can be a genius bus driver. You can be a genius, you know, politician. Um, what it is is bringing your full self to something that connects you to the world in a more vibrant and vivid uh, and, and uh, genius way. So it, it, so it means stepping into that thing that comes easily to you, that's always attracted to you without you quite knowing why, uh, allowing your intuition to take you there. And so many of us are, how few, so few of us are uh, taught to follow our intuition. You know, we're taught to, or to be original. We're taught to be, play it safe, get a good job, and, and you know, be secure. Of course, those are antithetical to uh, awakening. They're antithetical to reaching your own potential. Buckminster Fuller said a great thing. He said, everybody's born a genius, but the process of living degeniuses them. And it's true. Living degeniuses us when we listen to other people's uh, steps and we listen to other people's ideas of who we're supposed to be. So it's about getting back to what's native and true uh, to us, what has meaning for us and where we think that we can help the world. Because genius really is about where does who you are interface with what the world needs. And that's where that's where genius uh, comes into or comes into play and, and can help help the world. I love that. It's a great answer. And what, what would you say that kind of I feel that kind of tees up my next question quite well. Like what does a fulfilled life mean to you? Well, fulfilled life for me is being willing uh, to tell the truth. And that isn't that's not a common thing, Duncan. Yeah. I mean, you know, we go through our lives telling untruths, lies of omission, euphemism, all kinds of ways that we're inauthentic. So for me, the fulfilled life is about being willing to tell the truth and stand in it uh, and, and let it change us. Uh, there's nothing like that. That's for me what being uh, truly alive feels like. That's awesome. And what is one thing all our listeners can do today that will have a massive positive effect on their lives? Write for 15 minutes a day. Yeah. That's, that, that, there's nothing like it. it has, it's the most transformative practice that I know of. Sit down with a, a, a pointed question, something that's really up for you, and let yourself explore it. That is, uh, there's nothing more transformative than that that I know of. Awesome. And I, like you said, we, we probably, the stories we tell ourselves, like um, I guess you know, some people might hear that and say, you know, I'm, but I'm not a writer or whatever like that. But that's actually a, a completely irrelevant, I'm, I'm assuming, isn't it? You know, whether you yeah. think you're a writer, we're all writers, as in just give yourself that question and then just the actual process of writing is probably what's, yeah. Yeah, exactly. This is not, it's not about being a writer. It's about being willing to be authentic. Uh, all you have to do is show up. Writing is the medium that we use for self-inquiry. But it's about the self-inquiry. It doesn't matter if you're a good writer. It doesn't matter, you know, punctuation, spelling, style. None of those things exactly. matter. What matters is the willingness to show up. Uh, and that's the work I do with Writing to Awaken is, is teaching people how to show up for their own truth, uh, go into this narrative that they, that they use to uh, guide them through their life to realize that they're much, much bigger than the narrative. So that, that's, that's the power of, of writing. It's changed my life. It really has saved my life. 
from my childhood. And so now it's something that I teach other people. I'll actually be in London. I'll be at Alternatives at the end of May, and I'm giving a, a day-long workshop in London uh, at the end of May. So if folks are interested, it would be great to see you there. Amazing. I was going to say, yeah, how, how can people stay in touch, find out more about you and your work? Where can we send them? Uh, to my website, which is markmatusic.com. Uh, folks can write to me through the website, uh, and I'll be in London, like I said, at the end of May. And then I'm giving a, a week-long retreat in France in June, which is going to be beautiful. Uh, it's called uh, Writing to Awaken the Story of Your Life, and it's really about looking into these fictions that guide us, limit us, and, and moving into a bigger way of being. Mark, it has been absolutely fascinating talking to you. Thank you so much for giving up your time and yeah, speaking to me. It's uh, and chucking, chucking some ideas and some thoughts around. It's been yeah, it's been it's been it's been wicked. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Duncan. It's good to talk to you.